Hey everyone, this is Dan, the Six Figure Couch Surfer. Check out my website if you'd like, sixfigurecouchsurfer.com. You can see some blog posts that I'm starting to accumulate slowly as I do some book reviews of the 200 plus books that I've read over the past few years. Um, I'll be adding some quotes about that. And uh, there's a link to the podcast. There's a link to which you're already listening to. So I see, I suppose that's pretty redundant, uh, the YouTube channel as well. So I'll be trying to add some more helpful content as time continues and I work on building whatever it is that I'm building. Uh, I have a vision for helping entrepreneurs, but entrepreneurs that are really inclined into mindfulness techniques, self-awareness, psychology. Um, so I, I, I have a clinical, not a clinical background, a microbiological background. I do want to get into the clinical space later in life. My goal is to get a master's and a PhD in psychological research. And um, I don't know if I want to work with sociology on a large scale, interpersonal dynamics, team dynamics. I'm, I'm looking into just all of this right now, but I love shrinking myself to know my own idiosyncrasies, my own hangups and how I could run a business better, be a better teammate, be a better human being and partner in whatever organization I'm in. And so anyone else who's interested in understanding that, feel free to check out my content. So this podcast is called something to the effect of no awkward situations, only awkward people. It's about awkwardness. That might be too long of a title, but anyway, I had a friend in college who always said this to me. She would tell me, her name was Ashley. I've mentioned her before. She really impacted me with just some awesome wisdom, was a very kind and sweet soul. So she had told me, you know, don't ever feel awkward because there's no such thing as awkward situations. You can make it awkward or you can make it not awkward, but it's up to you. And I didn't know that until she said it. It was amazing, just completely eye-opening. So that's it. That's pretty much the end of the podcast. But hey, let's digress for 18 more minutes. So, uh, I guess examples of this are countless. Um, I would say that when it comes to even recording and, and performing vocally, so I like to do open mics. And if I start sweating on stage, like most performers do, even if they've been singing for years, um, there's always that, that twinge of anxiety in the gut. This is where diaphragmatic control becomes huge. Can you do deep belly breaths to engage the diaphragm and the musculature down in the gut and then channel that all the way up through your throat, open up your neck muscles, your throat muscles, shape the notes in your mouth and then cast them out. You drop the palate, you um, you use your whole head space, your chest space, your guts, everything in your body is a, is a big singing instrument. Um, can I do that on stage? Well, if I focus, yes. But then if I lose focus due to what I feel is awkwardness of being looked at by people, um, that that anxiety sets in and then I will start to take shallower breaths and I will start to just kind of choke down those musical notes and uh, I'll freeze. And the audience will see that. It's incredibly awkward to stop a show like I have done and said, excuse me, I screwed that note up or... I'm kind of lost right now. Can I can I start the song over again? I mean, that is terrible. Now, I've done this in open mics and it's 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 going to happen. It's human. It's a human thing to do and it's okay to recover from that and keep going, but in the moment it feels terrible. And unless you have a kind enough audience like an open mic venue where they have spoken word and things of that sort, they they snap their finger, "Hey, keep going, keep going." That's a helpful audience because it's a room full of artists. 
And I, in San Diego, I was able to perform at a venue called Queen Bees in front of a hundred people because all 100 of them were there for an event and they were all artists. So any mistakes that any of us made, we would all support each other. That's a great environment. They made it not awkward. But um, I would stop sometimes and look at the audience and just restart. And it was, oh, it was so cringy. And I forgive myself for that because at that level, at that stage, I'm not a rock star by any means now, but I understand that the audience is there for a show. They're there for you to perform. They're there for you to do well. They're invested in you doing well. Nobody wants to see a stand-up comic make bad jokes. Nobody wants to see a singer get up on stage and and not perform well. And so, sorry, excuse me as I play with my phone. I'm putting it on airplane mode because I get a few text messages. And then one time I had a phone call um, disrupt the recording and it was, hey, it was awkward, right? That stuff makes life awkward. So um, there is power in not succumbing to awkwardness. There's power in walking into a situation where things aren't perfect, they are not ideal, and completely standing, uh, completely uh, performing or, or existing in that space without wavering, without being knocked over by any of the imbalance of what's going on. Most people will, see there it goes, every podcast I do, a text message comes through to some iDevice and then y'all hear it and then my friends will text me be like, bro, you're confusing us in your podcast because I'm thinking, is that my phone? Anyhow, so I've noticed some people who have, they tend to have that mentor quality about them, that coaching quality, that they're, they're leaders. They have a leadership quality. In the midst of somebody not performing well or not handling a task well, other people will make comments. They'll, they'll you know, snicker or whatever it is. They'll laugh, they'll condescend, they'll make rude remarks. But then there's those people that stand up and say, hey, you know, that's, they won't even have to say it. Like that's not necessary. They'll, they'll conduct themselves in such a manner that you look at them and say, hey, that person's fully here to support. And uh, they're an, an anchoring individual. They anchor somebody through that awkwardness. And that's what my friend Ashley did for me. So I'd feel awkward within certain party settings in college. Um, if, if I was around a small group, it's fine. But as more and more people show up, I'd, I'd wonder, am I, where am I on this hierarchy, on this totem pole? There's a lot of really cool kids, a lot of fancy kids where I went to school. I didn't grow up with much money. And I went to Santa Barbara. And there were a lot of kids there who grew up very wealthy. And we'd all party together. We'd all be in the same environment. And so I would worry that I'm not going to fit in. I would worry that I just, I just don't wear the right clothes or say the right things. And that would be palpable if I allowed myself to, to kind of spiral down that avenue. But then I realized through having friends like Ashley and, and several others that she lived with, it was, a, it was like a family feeling right there, just a really close-knit group. I, uh, I, the more comfortable I was with myself, the more people liked to be around me. And I was able to become the life of the party in a lot of ways. And um, it was... At some points, you can go back and talk about the false self and how disingenuine people will will try to perhaps draw a lot of attention to themselves. I've definitely had that as a fault, but there were those authentic friendships where I didn't have to perform. I genuinely was happy to be around them, and um, it was awesome. It was really cool getting over 
any sort of self-judgment. And I think that's really where awkwardness comes from. You're shining a spotlight on yourself and giving a potential critic some more criteria with which to critique you. And they already have enough. They can make a judgment and you could really conduct yourself and not care about that judgment. They're free to their opinion. We are all free to our opinions. And to respect someone's opinion, but then to respect yourself enough to continue doing what you do to saddle back up, get yourself grounded again and, you know, find your center and then recontinue whatever it is you're continuing, whether it's a conversation or a performance or a job, a career move, an idea, a concept you have, whatever criticism you receive to, to just not allow that to feed into your self-criticism is incredibly important. And all of us, all humans, all, all of our brains are designed in a way in which they have a pre-programmed critic. And that critic plays what they call toxic tapes. If you've ever heard of that verbiage through like a recovery group like AA and whatnot, they talk about toxic tapes that are played inside the brain. And what they're telling people and therapists will, will air this out as well for their clients. It's important to understand that there's a lot of voices from our past that critique us. And we allow those voices real estate in our minds. And those people can be dead and gone. They could be, you know, decades out of our lives. But the words that they said had impacted us at some point in our life where we, we validated their opinion. We use that as a filter now to assess our own reflection, to assess who we are and how we behave. And we feed those voices with our own voice. You know, people will call themselves, oh, that, you know, that was, that was a silly mistake. And then they'll amplify silly to stupid, to horrendous, to you know, I'm worthless. That was, I'm a complete idiot. They'll, they'll start using words of violence even against themselves. And that's, you can even go down the whole self-harm avenue and even further past that. And so, I mean, that sounds like a dramatic step from feeling awkward, but if you think about, all of psychology existing, uh, psychological states existing on a spectrum, you can see how there are seemingly innocent, innocent and normative steps towards a direction that if, if you go the full-fledged direction, I mean, you realize it ends in a pretty bad place. So why go down that, that road? There are certain aspects, again, to feeling awkward regarding social behavior and norms and um, like healthy shame and all of that. But awkwardness in the sense of, I don't know if I belong. I'm questioning whether or not I should continue. Should I stop? Was this mistake, is it recoverable? There are oftentimes, there, there's been times often in, in just podcasting alone. I'm only on episode, what, this is like number 19. But there are a few in the in previous to this that I, I recorded and then I erased. I actually deleted it off my phone um, or off the computer, whatever I was recording on. I'm on the phone right now because I, I broke my microphone. So... Hopefully the quality will get better in the next few episodes once I get that Amazon delivery, but COVID is kind of slowing down the uh, the delivery pipeline, which is a good thing because the people who need it most, like the heroes who are on the front lines fighting for lives right now, risking themselves to infection, like my friend Jesse, my buddy Mark, and my buddy Ryan, who are working in ERs and working in ICUs and, and all over, um, people like them need priority on, on getting the things they need. So I'm okay with that. But the audio quality should get get back to par once I get that cable. So uh, back from that tangent to what I was talking about, which I completely forgot. It, oh yeah, podcasting. So there are moments where I deleted the podcast just in the same way that I've 
conduct, I've, I've created an art piece and then I've just scrapped it, destroyed it. There's this rule that you never, you never destroy art. You always leave yourself that paper trail of seeing how you develop and your mistakes can turn into masterpieces. I mean, that's such a beautiful concept to have in life, just life in general, not just art. But my art teacher would always say that. She'd always tell me, don't throw your art away. And I was such a perfectionist. I would shame myself because it felt awkward making mistakes. I dwell on that awkwardness. And so I want to confess that I still struggle with this. Um, even recently, I'll feel as if my voice isn't valid. I shouldn't have a podcast. What am I saying? Do I even have an audience? Because I look at the play playbacks and there's only one. And it's a buddy of mine, Chris, who thanks, bud, for like listening and, you know, coaching me along as I, as I record these, but there's so many ways of me realizing I shouldn't try to build a brand. I shouldn't try to build a website. Um, and it does feel awkward. And that sitting in that awkwardness consistently is it's cringy. And I just want to stop and back away and delete what I've done and erase it. I personally struggle with that so often, so frequently. And there are moments where I hear myself being confident and I've seen, I've received compliments from people. Um, for helping them, for giving them great content. And it still doesn't, it doesn't, um, that message doesn't stay consistent within my mind. My mindset will completely veer away from that very quickly. And I'll start feeling inept once again. And once that awkwardness sets in, that's when very dear friends of mine, like Ashley was, would look at me and say, Hey, I can, cl it's clear you're not feeling great, but listen, don't, posture like that don't just carry that like shake it off you know feel feel like you again don't perform to a standard that you need to have to satisfy someone else just be yourself and let the mistakes just flow don't try to cover them up just allow those to be and one of the coolest compliments i got while i was performing an open mic to literally a cafe of like four people and i think all four of them were employees one guy walked in and he he just sat there and he was a musician i didn't know we actually ended up doing like a show together, a little kind of, yeah, it was, it was actually pretty fun. So he had come up to me. He's like, look, man, you are, because I, I do this thing where I don't play the guitar correctly. I can't play many chords. So I will transpose and change songs into whatever it is I can play, which is not much. But he had said the fact that I owned those songs and made them my own and just not necessarily awkwardly, but like with... I don't even know what the phrase is, but just so unorthodoxically, I would modify these songs and just kind of wrestle with them and then just own them. I would just completely demolish whatever the original artist intended and, and recreate it right on the fly. And he had said, I, he had said, it's, it's great seeing that because you're, I think he called it like suicide on stage or something. It was very artsy, very, uh, yeah. Avant-garde, I think is the word, but, um, I enjoyed hearing that. I appreciated hearing that. And he had said that most people would not have the ability or the courage to just, just sustain that, that feeling on stage. And he said, but you just, you just led with that. And I'm trying to understand more and more what that is because I do want to continue with music. I am working on a third album right now and it's, uh, it's difficult to write because of that self-judgment and not, you know, being, being my own, we're all our own worst critic. And I've stifled so much of my own writing. I've written like 40 songs and in my mind, they're all garbage. And that sucks because it's exhausting. You know, when you put your heart out, you write some stuff, you're feeling it in that moment. And then you just, you, you become uncertain, you know? And so that's a, uh, yeah, that's something that a lot of artists struggle with. 
And I love talking to other artists about that. Entrepreneurs as well. Um, just anybody who has an expressive, creative streak will struggle with when do we show the end product. Uh, and having that perfectionist tone, it, it does make anything other than perfection very difficult for us to to hold and sustain and and um, celebrate. It's very difficult to celebrate the small stuff when you just want the big wins. So that's this is something I, I try to walk in every day. And there's from jujitsu to uh, the military life to working with developing a brand, podcasting, doing what I'm doing right now. All this stuff that I'm doing in life seems to be like I'm, a, I'm in constant white belt mode in a lot of ways. And I'm 33 years old. Now, I I sort of enjoy this in a weird way. I enjoy not having mastered too much yet. I've There are some things that I'm really gaining traction on. I really notice where my strengths can focus, where I could do great things. And I've done some pretty awesome stuff for some companies. And every time I get an amazing salary, I just leave. <laughs> I just, I just, I eject because there's something I'm looking for in life. I don't know what it is. And if I am able to address the awkwardness that I feel in those moments and just keep stomping forward one foot at a time amidst in internal tension, I can't bury it or suppress it. I am not about suppressing or repressing any emotion, any feeling state. It's got to be emoted. It has to come out. It's energy that needs to be used for some sort of forward momentum in life. Um, I'm looking to train myself in any way possible to face face those awkward those awkward states, those awkward times in life, and yet not allow that to be internalized, not feel or carry those feelings anymore. I will acknowledge them and then set them aside and continue moving forward with whatever it is that I had in mind. And so stumbling through with these recordings and not cleaning them up, I don't edit any of these podcasts. It's just what you hear is what you get. What you get is what you hear. Man, I don't even know. See right there, I could totally snip that out. I have the ability and the software to do that, but I won't because the flaws are mine. They're my flaws and I, I enjoy them. And uh, I won't allow that to stop me. It's gotta, this has got to be a, a fun project that is 100% me. And I'll just continue with it and fumble forward, fail even forward. I, I, I'm all about failing forward. So here I am recording a bunch of pod, podcasts, feeling awkward, making mistakes. Uh, just, yeah, just doing it. And I don't. It's never really that sexy when you start up. It's really not. Whether it's a business, you know, phone calls, trying to develop a pipeline, trying to establish clientele. It's never until you get to a level where you can just pick up the phone and and drum up calls. I think I'm at that point now in my life, but it took several years, like four or five years of cold calling hundreds of calls a day. That's not even a, that's not, I've, I've legit made, I think probably 200 calls in a day. Uh, I try not to be super spammy. That's a sore subject. Let's let's leave that for another time. Uh, making a lot of phone calls to people and yet not spamming them. That's ooh, talk about awkward. You know, when you call someone seventeen times in a row and they answer angry and pissed off. Hello, and you're like, hey, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm that guy that was calling you. Yeah, no, I've seen your number. Or you know, blocked. They've got like a blocked number seventeen times. Uh, and again, in those situations, if 
if I were to pick up the phone and conduct myself awkwardly while I'm making business calls, uh, yeah, that wouldn't get anywhere. So you got, you know, I learned to convey confidence and, and truly feel confident too. Um, I really did. Even if someone's like, you know, you're an idiot. Do you know that? Do you know that you're an idiot? Okay. Yeah. Acknowledged. So when can we talk about, you know, when, when can we negotiate a contract further? Right. So that's having that audacity to, to just pursue deals and business and life and relationships and people, man, I just, I'm all about that. Once you get rejected enough in life, it, it doesn't hurt as much. And I've been rejected to the max. So you'd think I'd be completely over the awkward stage, but I'm not. So just remember, if you ever struggle with those, you know, those butterflies, the anxiety in the chest, uh, especially when it comes to performing, giving a, a presentation, singing a song in front of a group of people, well, harness that. And, and uh, that's, that's one thing I, I know Russell, I think it was Russell Brand said it. And if not him, definitely some some musicians I know who've been performing for over a decade. You always get that that anxiety in your gut. But what a rock star does, what a superstar does, what somebody who's great at their craft will do is they convert that into energy for the audience. They take that internal anxiety and then they they amplify it for the audience in a in a high energetic level that just draws them in. It's such a cool that was such a cool description of of how. That pre-stage jitter is turned into magnetism for the audience. So with that, I will let you go to Google some Russell Brand. I love that guy. Check out some of his stand-up. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Also, check out the website, sixfigurecouchsurfer.com. All spelled out. And I look forward to podcasting shortly. Thanks for listening.